Thank you for joining us. It's our mission to restore hope and make a positive difference in your life today. Remember to hit subscribe so you can be the first to know when we release new content. Let's go now to today's message. I want to just read one verse of scripture to you today. If you're at my church, you would know that does not necessarily mean it will be a short sermon, uh, but it is one verse of scripture that I want to bring to your attention, and it's out of 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 28, for those of you that have been in church or Sunday school for a while, you know that this is a very familiar verse of scripture, one of the most well-known in the Bible, but we will be looking at it from an unconventional approach, a different perspective today. And we're going to look at a portion of the story that commonly is not observed, commonly not talked about. Because one of the things that I love about God, and I hope I get a witness here, is that no matter how many times you read his word or hear it preached, there's always a little something new. And I believe there's something new in this for us today. If you're ready for the word, shout, I'm ready. And let's look at 1 Samuel 17, verse 28, the legendary story of David and Goliath. Verse 28, it says, And Eliab, which was David's oldest brother, heard David speaking to the men. I feel like preaching already, and I haven't even gotten to the first semicolon. And Eliab's anger was stirred against David. And he said to him, You know the devil's mad when he talks. Why have you come to me? And with who have you left your few sheep. He's belittling his assignment. <laughs> For I know the pride and the naughtiness of your heart. For you are come down that you could see a battle or that you could be exalted in this moment. I want to look at this today from an unconventional approach, a different perspective. Uh, but before I do, I, I just have to do this because I am a PK, I'm a preacher's kid, I'm a church boy, and I can't talk about the story of David and Goliath without first throwing out a few common observations. And this is where you can begin to talk back to me a little bit because growing up as a PK, a preacher's kid, I've heard a hundred or more messages on David and Goliath. I've heard a thousand or more references in 23 years of preaching, I might have preached 100 or so messages on, and made 1,000 or more references. And over the years, much attention has been brought to a couple common observations. The first is the most simple observation, that God would use a small little shepherd boy, I'm going to preach this morning, named David, to defeat this mighty giant named Goliath. The champion of the Philistines, a hybrid soldier, an ultimate warrior, if you would. And much attention has been drawn to the conversation between Goliath and David. As Goliath says to David, why are you approaching me, the giant, the champion of the Philistines, with a, a, a few stones and a sling? And David says to him, well, why are you approaching me with a spear and a sword? All David was saying is, just so you know, I got more than what you've got, you dumb giant. Attention has been brought to the conversation between David and Goliath as Goliath threatens David. Before this day is over, boy, I'm going to feed your bones and your flesh to the beasts of the field and the birds of the air. And David says, hold up one second. 
We're going to flip the script and change the narrative. Before this day is over, I'm going to feed your bones and your flesh to the beasts of the field and the birds of the air. Let me give you one more common observation. The conversation between David and King Saul, who Saul reluctantly gives him his blessing to fight. But he says, if you go, you can go with a condition. You got to take, I'm building something. You got to take my armor. You have to take my weapons. And he says, no, no offense, but I've not proven and tried your stuff. But this thing called Jesus, I've proven him. I've proven that name of the Lord. I've proven him. So much attention has been brought to these common observations. But I want to look at this from a unique perspective and not just look at the story, but let's begin to unwind it and look at the backstory, the circumstances and situations surrounding it. Here is a man named David. His oldest brothers have been enlisted to fight in the Israelite army. And it's no uh, problem of David's own, no fault of his own, but he himself is too young. He's too small. He's too, he's not qualified. He's not experienced. So here comes his father, Jesse. And he says to David, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, so play with me here. He says to him, David, I know it's no fault of your own that you are the age, the size, the, the level of experience, but your brothers, they're men. And they're getting ready to go out and do manly stuff. They're going to go kill some Philistines. Now, I know you're not ready for that level, but could you at least do something here until you get there? Just take them some bread, take them some cheese. And as David goes out there and he begins to distribute the bread and cheese, all of a sudden, this giant named Goliath begins to run his stinking mouth. And all of the men of Israel respond the same way. They run, they jump, and they hide. And I don't know why it's been this way, but since I was a kid, my visual imagery, I see Israel running, jumping, and hiding behind the first set of rocks that they could find. There's no rocks mentioned in the scripture. Allow my imagination to have fun with you today. But I see Israel as Goliath is speaking, hiding behind, cowering behind, looking up over top of these rocks. But while something on the inside of Israel was telling them to jump behind the rocks, there was something on the inside of David that was telling him to jump out on the other side of the rocks. When something told Israel to run from the Goliath, something on the inside of David told him to run to Goliath, not from the giant, but to the giant. And may I suggest to you that maybe, just maybe, it was the same spirit that caused David to run towards the lion and the same spirit that caused him to run towards the bear. Can I suggest to you that maybe, just maybe, it was the spirit of the Lord. If you believe that, clap and give God some praise. Setting a foundation for three more minutes. Many of you, I'm sure, have heard one of these stories of a a building catching on fire, a home, an apartment, or a building, an office building. If if you've ever seen that on the news or read it online, oftentimes you put yourself in that situation. I don't know about you, but if I am in a building that catches on fire, I don't need anybody to tell me to run. Human instinct, come on. It says if you stay in said building, said building stays on fire, said you ain't going to stay alive. But every now and again in these stories, we read of someone, whether it's from a disability, maybe there's an obstacle or something else. They can't get themselves, Pastor Aaron, out of that burning building. And it seems like we always read of someone else, 
a firefighter, a first responder, just a passerby that runs into that burning building that everybody else is running out of. Something inside of everyone is telling them to run from it, but something on the inside of them is telling them to run to it. And they walk into that building. They run into that building. They save the lives of people and sometimes pets. And do you know what we call these people? We call them heroes. I'm telling you this for a reason. I'm looking at people in this room and I'm speaking to people online that have been under a spirit of intimidation and embarrassment because you find yourself running to stuff that everybody else is running from. You run into things that everybody else is running from. And I'm not talking about the bondages and iniquities you need to release and let go. I'm talking about stuff you need to fight for, like your children's salvation, like your marriage, like the blessing of your business. They've told you to give up on it, but you keep running right back on into it, and you keep fighting. God sent me here under a prophetic anointing to declare to you today, you will not be ashamed. You will not be embarrassed. I prophesy to you, you coming out on the other side of this thing, a hero, cause the same spirit that got on David, that told him to run towards the lion, the bear and the giant is coming upon the people of restoring hope today. I prophesy you are coming out on the other side of this thing. A hero. If you believe it, get up on your feet. Clap your hands and give God a shout of praise. Nudge your neighbor and say, I'm coming out on the other side. All right, all right. My foundation has been set. My foundation has been set. Here is now the subject of our conversation. As David rises up and he expresses this desire to step out and confront this giant, watch the pastor. There is someone on the other side. I feel the Holy Ghost in here. On the other side of those rocks, that spoke to David and said, sit down, be quiet, you're full of yourself, you're full of pride, you've exalted yourself, don't think more of yourself than who was this person, family. It doesn't have to necessarily be flesh and blood. I'm talking about circles. See, some of you don't understand the story. Just a chapter before, they told me to take my time, so I'm taking my time. It is the prophet Samuel who shows up at Jesse's house. He says, I'm here for two things, or, or I'm here with two things. I've got a word and a horn of oil. Lord told me the next son or king of Israel is a son from your house. I don't know which one it is, but by the Holy Ghost, when I see him, I'll know. Let's begin the processional. Jesse, a proud daddy, gets a smile on his face. Let's start with Eliab, my firstborn, my oldest. That's man's choice, you know. Samuel looks at him. Sorry, Jesse, that ain't him. Okay. Well, let's, let's swing the bat again. How about, how about Abinadab? Nope, not him. Okay. I got Eliab, Abinadab, Shama. No, 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 not, not him. Hey, Jesse, do you have any other sons? Uh-uh. No, 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 don't, don't lie. Do you have any other sons? Well, I do. But, but. I mean, I can go get him if you want, but I, 
David? I'll get him, but you gotta, but you gotta, I'll, I'll get him. But you don't know his story. You know his level. But if you want me to indulge you, prophet, I'll bring him in. And the minute David walks into the living room, Samuel stands up, points his prophetic finger, and says, oh, there he is. That's the one. And Jesse goes, are you serious? Yeah, because God don't look like you look, Jesse. God don't look at the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. And he takes that oil. I feel the Holy Ghost. And he begins to pour it all over his head. Let, let, let's take it from spiritual to simple. Could it be just from the standpoint of sibling rivalry that Eliab had a chip on his shoulder from a previous amount of favor that passed over him? Oh, y'all ain't helping me today. Could it be, I can hear Eliab saying to David, look, look, little brother, nobody in our house was supposed to be king, but if anybody was going to be king, it should have been me. Uh, but I got passed over by you. I got passed over because of you. Ain't it something how people get mad at you for the favor that God put on you? Say, take it up with him. Don't be mad at me. You can take it up with the one who anointed me. Yeah, we're going somewhere here. I can hear him say, you took that thing from me. And now once I lost that, I buried myself and I poured myself into this military thing. And now when I speak, these men listen. When I talk, they respect me. And now you're coming out here trying to once again supersede me, override me, and inject yourself in a place you're not invited. So could it be that Eliab was just still reeling and carrying a chip on his shoulder for the simple fact of sibling rivalry? I think there's some truth to that but I got to take you deeper and unpack what I believe is the real truth. I believe with all of my heart that Eliab's real problem was this. He was mad that David was doing something that he was supposed to do, but did not have the courage to do. Y'all ain't helping me. But Eliab was the soldier and David was the shepherd. David should have been out with his sheep saying, y'all won't believe what's about to happen. But some of our people about to get in with their people, it's going to get really bad. Oh, sorry, bad joke, bad joke. It's getting really nasty out there where Eliab should have said, shepherd, you stay there. I got a shield. I got a spear. I got a sword. I got some gangster people in here. And if I don't got one of them, I cut you with a knife. But I'll go out there. But no. This was role reversal. Eliab was supposed to be the soldier and David was supposed to be the shepherd. So I submit to you that Eliab was mad that David had the courage to do something he was called to do but didn't have the courage to do. You sit here and act as if you don't have anybody in your family, your life, your sphere of influence that's jealous of you. Don't shout me down. I'll shout. I will shout if you don't. Friends, family, co-workers. When, when I say yours, you say amen and fall out, okay? They're jealous of your place and position in life. They're jealous of your place and position at your job. They think they deserve the favor, not you. They're jealous of your place and position in your family. That always was grandma's favorite grandchild. I'm about to break something in this place. There's some folk jealous of your position in this church. 
come to the world, they give them a title and a job and an earpiece and a shirt. They have been here one year and six months. I have been here six years and seven months. The devil is a liar. Let me call them what they are. Haters. H-A-T-E-R-S. Haters. And since every other preacher has been using Google, I use Google. And I discovered that there are more haters today per capita than there have been at any other time in the history of the world. You're like, does it really say that? No. But there's such a thing as haters. But let me shift your perspective. They're not really mad at you. They're mad that you have had the courage to confront the giants they themselves have never had the courage to confront. Oh, you can sit here if you want to, but I'm looking for a generation of generational curse breakers, a generation of generational curse giant slayers. I don't know if you'll shout here, but it wasn't even supposed to be you. It's supposed to be your mommy and your daddy, your aunt and uncle and your brother and sister, but they didn't confront the epidemic of alcoholism. They didn't confront the scandal of sexual abuse, verbal, emotional, and spiritual abuse. I'm looking for a generation that knows how to step out on the other side of the rock and confront those giants. Be seated, be seated. I'm taking you somewhere. So whenever you begin to step out and you begin to confront those generational curses and those iniquities and those issues, those limitations, watch what happens. I'm preaching good now. I'm preaching good. I'm preaching about your circle. They start saying things like, hmm. When did you change? I'm just going to get a drink of water and let y'all. Since when did you start thinking you were all that? Better than everybody else. Looking down your long nose at us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Ever since you started going to Restoring Hope, you've changed. Around those crab people. You just changed. Ever since you started working that job instead of that job. Ever since you started driving that instead of that. Living there instead of that. You've really changed. When people tell me their biggest problem with me is that I've changed. And I'm not talking about doctrine and theology, but growth, progress. When people tell me, my biggest problem with you, bread, bread, me, you changed. That's my biggest problem with you is that you ain't. I... I am not of the generation of Eliab. I am of the generation of David. Get with it or get out of the way. But bless God, we're going somewhere. It may look like they're mad at you, but they're not really mad at you. They're mad that you've had the courage to confront something they have never had the courage to confront. And it may look like they're jealous of your victories, of your accomplishments, but what they don't know is the price you paid and what you had to confront to get to be where you are and to be who you are. Allow me five minutes to teach and then I'm going to preach for about ten. Be seated. Are y'all being blessed? Just wave your hand if you're being blessed. If you don't hear anything else this preacher says today, hear this. You cannot defeat what you're not willing to confront. 
I'm just building this. I'm taking time. You cannot defeat what you're not willing to confront. Get this out of your vocabulary. Stop thinking it. Stop saying, people are jealous of my harvest. No, they're not. Be jealous of your harvest. You want to know what they're really jealous of? In fact, they couldn't sow your seed. No, no, no. They're mad that they could not pay your price. Because whenever I see someone with weight on their life, I will show you a hater. But they ain't really jealous of the weight. What they're jealous of, God, I feel this in my spirit, that they don't have the strength, they don't have the character, and they don't have the fortitude to shoulder that load, to shoulder that weight. So change your thinking. They're not jealous of your harvest. They're jealous of the fact they couldn't put in your praise. They couldn't worship when you did. They didn't kneel when you knelt. They didn't give when they were broke. You did. And now that you're starting to step out. All of those people around you are trying to pull you back into the same crevices of dysfunction that the blood of Jesus was shed to bring you out of? Well, the devil is a liar. We're getting ready to break something today. I prophesy before I move to my next point that every generational curse you walked in with today, you will leave it at this altar. You will break it in your life. You will break it in your family once and for all. Get up on your feet and give God praise if you believe the preacher. Two minutes left in my teaching time before I turn this thing full volume here. You have to realize, Pastor Aaron, Pastor Amanda, because it's true for them, it's true for you. You have some people in your life whose survival depends solely on keeping you from your next level. A while back, I watched, you watch a lot of TV when you're on pandemic lockdown. At least most of the world did. Us preachers, we worked. But I watched a nature show with my girls. Small chain of islands off the coast of China, four or five of these islands, talking about a small pit viper, a snake, a highly deadly snake. Any snake should be dead. Come on, word of the Lord. Just word. <laughs> one, one bite from that thing, you're dead. Now the story on these snakes, watch me, this is very imperative, you hear this. These snakes sleep, they hibernate and starve for the entire year except one month. The first month of fall, they wake up, they go on a feeding frenzy lay their eggs, go back to sleep, hibernate, and the process begins again. You gotta ask yourself, well, what wakes them up that one month? There's no other life forms on that island but those snakes, except one month in the year. A group of songbirds flying from China stop at that chain of islands before reaching their final resting point, their final destination. Those birds lie in wait for hours, two hours, five hours, seven, and then one by one. And all you see is some feathers. Feathers. <clears throat> the snakes eat so many birds, it's their only time to eat. They're, they're so fat, they look like Florida alligators with no arms, no legs. 
go back in their cave, they sleep, they hibernate, starve themselves for the rest of the year. I was laying in my bed on a Sunday morning watching this, and the Holy Ghost said, there are people in your life whose survival depends on keeping you from your next level. Now, we're not going to argue right or wrong, fair or unfair, but don't sit here and act like you don't have some people in your life that are dependent on you for something. Their self-esteem, their identity, uh, their purpose, their place, their position. Some of you are people who are, have others who are dependent on you for their emotional well-being. I'm preaching better than you're shouting. Because I'm looking out in the room and I see some CFOs, some CEOs. Y'all got some bosses in this church. So you have people whose economic well-being, it's not just your family, it's someone else's family and their family's family. So watch the preacher. When you begin to grow to another level, if people around you do not grow in proportion with you, then your growth becomes their death. Your gain, their loss. Your success, their failure. Your victory, your defeat. Every bird to escape that island is one less opportunity for a snake's survival. So if you grow to another level and folk don't grow in proportion, and let me explain growing in proportion, just very simple. Your pastors are on a spiritual level that is higher than you. If not, they shouldn't be your pastors. Your pastors, then that doesn't make them perfect. I know Pastor Aaron's really close. Pastor Amanda will tell you he's close. He's just not quite there. They're not better than you. They're not perfect. But because of spiritual succession and spiritual leadership, they have authority that stretches them and causes them to reach up. So as they go up and reach for them, you go up and reach for them. Guess what? Y'all go up together. I'm unpacking a truth here. Y'all okay? You okay? Because in 23 years of ministry, I've come to discover that there are people with spiritual growth caps. Spiritual growth limits. They can only grow so far, go so far. And so when you reach that spiritual limit, that spiritual growth cap, the growth that used to provoke them in a positive way now makes them bitter. This is the moment, God, I feel my help here, that they begin to hate what they used to love. They become jealous of the things they used to once want. That's when the jaws of the snake come closing in and the fangs pierce and penetrate the skin, injecting venom into the muscle. So if you grow to another level and people don't grow in proportion with you, your growth inevitably becomes their death. This is why your Bible says to shake off every weight that would beset you, whether they're people, places, or things, sins, bondages, and dysfunctions. you got to get an anointing to shake some stuff off of you today. And before I move on another moment, you ought to get up on your feet and just get a Holy Ghost shake. The bondages, the chains, the limitations the words that have been spoken over you just shake it shake it while you shout shake it while you jump shake it while you turn just get it off of you today in Jesus now y'all ready to have church I've got 10 minutes left but be seated be seated the psalmist says it like this our soul has escaped like a bird out of the snare of the fowler. For every bird that got eaten, there's another bird. Ah, 
I just got blessed in the Holy Ghost. For every bird that gets eaten, there's another bird that escapes. And I just believe that it was from the perspective of one of those escaped birds that the psalmist wrote that song. They got a picture in the back of one of those escaped birds if they could put it up. As the bird turns around just in time to see the jaws of the snake closing down. So close the call, so close the encounter, it can feel the gentle brush of air rustling against his tail feathers. If a bird could smile, keep that picture up. I could see a smile on its beak as it turns around just in time to say, my soul has escaped. To every voice of fear, to every voice of doubt, to every voice of worry and unbelief that told you you'd never be what God told you to be, that you'd never do what he told you to do, to every voice that told you you'd never have what he called you to have, I dare you to get up on this Sunday morning, look over your shoulder and shout, my soul has escaped to the abandonment, the abuse, the rejection, and the betrayal. My soul has escaped to the loss of the marriage, the loss of the family, the loss of the business. I dare you to turn around today and shout my soul to every generational curse of abuse, addiction, and bondage. I dare you to get up on your feet this morning and turn around and shout my soul has escaped. Oh, no, 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 no. You're about to get this, uh-huh. You need to get up and have church. You need to preach the message. Tell poverty and lack, I'm escaping. Tell generational curses, I'm escaping. I need you to get up, shake, jump, move, and shout, my soul has escaped. I am looking today for a generation of generational curse breakers. I am looking for a generation of generational curse giant slayers. I'm looking for those of you that will step out on the other side of the rocks of complacency and tell the devil, not in my house, not in my family's house. Today, the root of rejection, the seed of abuse is going to be broken up underneath my feet. I'm going to be the first in my family to have it. I'm going to be the first to do it. I'm going to be the first to go there. I feel an anointing of a generational curse breaking generation rising up in this house today. Come on and give God praise. Give him praise. Give him praise. Let me say this as you remain standing. If people cannot handle you where you are. What in the world makes you think they're going to handle you where you're going? Watch this. I'm pushing this last moment. Stay standing. When David kills Goliath, 
He's brought up on the shoulders of the people. Saul, his thousands. David, 10,000. That's elevation, Pastor Aaron. His feet go from the ground to sitting on the shoulders, swinging. Indicative, shepherd to king. Natural to supernatural. I personally found no record of David and Eliab having any further dialogue after that. I can't say definitively that God removed Eliab from his life, but I can say definitively that he removed his voice as a voice of influence. <laughs> I'm going to leave that one. And here's why. If Eliab could not handle the shepherd stepping out on the other side of those rocks, how would he be able to handle the king sitting on the shoulders or the one day king sitting on the throne? I'm trying to tell you is I know it hurts when God takes someone from your life. There's a difference between loss and being taken, by the way. Sometimes people pass away, they move away, they move on. That's loss. Someone's about to shout here because someone knows what it's like, though, when God grabs someone by the nap of the neck and kicks them by their britches right up out of your life. That... I know it hurts when someone's taken, especially when it's someone close. Never, ever, 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 ever get mad at God when he takes them. Because if they can't handle you where you are now, what makes you think they'll handle you where you're going? I am looking today for heaven to pour out upon you an anointing of a generational curse breaker, a generational curse giant slayer. I'm looking for you today. I'm looking for you today. Those of you that will rise up and confront those generational curses and say, you die with me today. You will not go on. You will not breathe threatenings to me or to my family anymore. I'm about to shut you up, shut you down. And when I kill you, I'm going to chop your stinking head off because you got on me, but you ain't going to get on my babies. You're not going to get on my children or my grandchildren. I'm looking. I'm looking for an anointing of generational curse, generational curse giant slayers today that will rise up and break it off of them today. I need some Someone to begin to give God praise in here. Come on, clap those hands. Lift up your voice. With every hand lifted in this place, as you praying in the Holy Ghost, you don't understand, or maybe you do. Moments like this can change everything, not just for you, but for your entire family. The power of abuse is being broken today. I'm prophesying the power of abuse is being broken today. No one in your family had the courage to confront it. When you confided in them, they buried it. They ran from it. But the Holy Ghost is here today to say they were Eliab. You're David. You're going to be the one to jump out on the other side of those rocks and confront those things that everybody else. 
who's been too afraid to confront. Those of you who have had sickness, there is a spirit, you know, of infirmity that can be transferred like other spirits. My dad was a diabetic. My grandpa was a diabetic. My great-grandfather was diabetic. And his mom was a diabetic. It's, it's generational curses. You're going to break that today. You're going to break that today. No, no, no. You're the one who's going to step out on the other side of that. Look, look, look. Israel never had to deal with a Goliath again because Goliath was dead and his head was cut off. I'm not prophesying or promising a life without difficulty. I am telling you, though, there's some giants that have plagued your family that will never plague them again after you step out today and do. As you stand at this altar, those of you in your seats are standing as well, those of you that are watching. We're going to pray something powerful, life-changing, yoke-breaking in about 30 seconds. But as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I have to give you this key. The majority, Pastor Amanda, of generational curses exist because they thrive on the host of unforgiveness. Generational curses are a parasite and they need a host in order to survive. If you want to kill a parasite, starve it. Deprive it of its host. What Pastor Jonathan is just trying to tell you today is in this house today, in your house watching online, listen to me. You are one act of forgiveness away. from being free of that generational curse once and for all. Why do alcoholic fathers produce alcoholic children who produce alcoholic children who produce alcoholic children who produce alcohol? It's not because the child wasn't damaged by alcohol. It's because the child has unforgiveness. And because of that, there is a bridge, a soul tie of alcoholism, and it's allowed to enter in. No, no, no. You are one. Hear me. You're one act of forgiveness away. I know it hurts, but you got to forgive mom. you got to forgive dad. you got to say the name of that uncle, that aunt, that cousin. you got to release them today. They're holding you into something. They are abusing you every day you stay afraid. They are abusing you every day you don't worship like you're called to. They are abusing you every day you don't preach like you're called to. They are abusing you every day you don't step out and start that business. I declare today there is a generational anointing that is coming upon you today to break every generational curse. We hope you enjoyed this word. If you would like to hear more messages like this one, please take a second and click the subscribe button. And for more information on our ministry, please visit us at rhctn.com.